and welcome to the Pain and Bread Quarterly Slush Pile. We're so excited to be here today. Then we, um, I'll start with me, <laughs> uh, since I already have the mic. So I'm Kathleen Volkmiller, and I'm here in the studio at um, Drexel University, and we are about to bring to you our podcast, which is editors, reading work that has been submitted to Pain and Bread Quarterly, talking about it and then voting on it so um, that you can hear what goes on behind the scenes once you submit your work or if you're a reader you'll know why it ended up in our pages um so i'm very excited to say that marion is in the off in the room with us in the studio i'm so happy that you can actually see me and that i'm in your time zone and sunny philadelphia Mm -hmm. um this is marion uh co-editor well co is not the right because yeah. we're all I think that's right is yeah, it because all of us coing together we're all, co. you, we're all co no I'm associate <laughs> I'm, I'm an associate editor you co, are you are editors but we're co-munity and co <laughs> <laughs> and we have a co and the co <laughs> is sitting to no, my I just, I just did my tenure application so I, I've been very I've been very concerned with what everyone has named hierarchy and nomenclature is like hierarchy getting gum out of your fucking hair next to me is Brit <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, Brett. Let's do it in this direction. Let's go all the way out west. Uh, who's out there in Portland, Oregon Hi. for, the, for um, a week? Hello from the West Coast at 8.30 a.m. Um, I'm Samantha, and I work at MYU Abu Dhabi with Mary and usually in um, Abu Dhabi. <laughs> But I'm there here. you there you are out west out west yeah. our west coast representative <laughs> yep yep for for the week um mm-hmm. and up in New York oh hi it is Jason Schneiderman I am at my lovely desk in Tribeca um, at the Borough of Manhattan Community College where there are no windows and lovely temperature control so I am I am safely um, protected from the terrible <laughs> humidity and weather outside right now. So hot. Yeah. So you're chilling. You're chilling. You've got a sweater. You need a sweater. I am, I am happily chilling. Yeah, that's yeah. wonderful. Good for you. Right. It's very hot here in the Northeast. Um, we are going to jump right in. Yeah. Uh, because we have three poems by one author. Her name is Micheline Maylor. And um, I think I'm going to keep the mic and just take this one. Okay. Okay. Um, So here we go. Here's a poem. Micheline Mailer called Your Motto. Then there's an epigraph. I told you once I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. John Wayne. (laughs) Yeah, that does deserve a laugh. That's good. Okay. So your motto. I told you once I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. John Wayne. I couldn't stay faithful after New Year's Eve. All those aggressive philosophy majors and tequilas shot. You and me like the stuffed bears in our son's room, propped up in corners, staring, neglected, a bit dusty. What was to be done after that party? All my switches flipped, a fuse box shutting down, click by click. Time to wrap it up, kids. Last call, last song. And I'm sitting here in my corner now, hearing you say, what did you want me to do? Punch the guy? No, no, no. I wanted you to love me so hard that he never asked if I would go home with him. I wanted you to love me, but you were too busy laughing. Nice reading. Nice reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun to read. Yeah, and I love your no, 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 because in my to my eye, it would have been like no, 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 no. But she does three periods. No, no, no. Right. That's exactly. That's right. You read the script beautifully. That happened to me once. What did it? Yeah, well, no, I mean, not at a party, but I was, I was visiting. I was, I had a, a boyfriend a long time ago wanted me to go with him to Boston, and when we got there, like his friends spent the entire time hitting on me, which was sort of flattering, but also like, would you please notice? Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, like, like, would you please just notice? It was very odd. 
Yeah, no, I hear you. But yeah, that's always I, the. I, I uh, love this. I thought this is fantastic. That's yeah, a duality like a, too, right? That's always a contradiction that you you want your partner to have some jealousy, awareness, something like right? But you would never want yeah. somebody telling you what to do. Don't talk to that guy, right? Then you'd then you'd take um, offense, right? Right? Yeah. Like, but just just note it. Like, like just like don't take me for granted. Yeah. Like, I'm not just you know here like yeah pay attention no i mean i'm that 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 line i wanted you to love me so hard that he never asked yeah that's the best part for me too perfect yeah Mm -hmm. right that that he would never even think that i might but yeah no and the turn is so fantastic it's so well constructed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um can i i I never do this Mm -hmm. uh loyal listeners will know that i'm usually like pontianic Pollyanna, Kathy, like, I love this. I love this. I, I, I wish there weren't stuffed bears. Can I say that? Mm-hmm. I wish there weren't stuffed bears. Yeah, I um, feel happy. I feel the same way. What is it? It's just that there's such a, why, why are we having this aversion, Sam? I don't know. I mean, well, for me too, I guess they're just inanimate objects. Like they're not like players and like, mm-hmm. The the two the the I assume the the two partners here are like you know they're active like they're making decisions they're players here in this story. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think for me it's specifically that bear. It just seems like such an easy object to to parallel oneself with. You know the stuffed animals in the kids' room. Like I don't know. It's so it's a little on the nose or something. Well, it's a little jarring to go from I couldn't stay faithful after the party, right, to we are like stuffed bears in our kids' room, right? And so the the driving image, the driving metaphor is we are like these stuffed bears. Mm -hmm. We're frozen and kind of dead now. Right. 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 I get it. I certainly get the metaphor. But for me, it's jarring to go from something fucking happened at that party and now we're stuffed bears. And it's like the delivery of the information Mm -hmm. is part of what makes the bears seem a little. Right. mm, Right. We had tequila shot and then we have the stuffed bears. I I think the image doesn't work for me because I think it's supposed to be an image of something that you're really excited about and really love deeply when you first get it. And then you kind of outgrow or take for granted and like ignore. But I like, like my relationship to my stuffed bears remains very intense. <laughs> Dude, I'm all about transitional objects. I'm with you. I like a stuffed I, bear. Also, can I ask, shouldn't it be tequila shots? Why is yeah. it tequila's and shot? Like, I is that a cocktail or anything I don't know about? Uh, I think she's, I don't know. I'm just going to trust that she did that intentionally. And okay. I don't know. It's kind of cool. I mean, I noticed it. I think Joe, yeah, like, you know, like when you take a shot, uh, a tequila, right. I mean, for me, tequila is my mind eraser. Joe, pitch it. Join uh, in. Joe's I thought it was like Cupid's bow. Like, oh. this is tequila's shot. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And okay. it's just like if you drink a bottle of tequila, it's kind of like shooting yourself in the head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So the tequila's shot, meaning it's gone or it is hurting you. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, but it's the tequila has its oh. own shot. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. a shot. shot. Yeah. Right. I think it's intentional. And to be honest, I, it stopped me, but I dug it. I dug okay. thinking about it that way. Yeah. yeah. But I, okay. But there's the thing. It's like, it stopped me, but I dug it. And then teddy bears. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a, it's that points in like a couple of different directions there. Mm-hmm. And I like the fuse box imagery. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. So because that does what the bears for me, like is doing already. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the fuse box is so meaningful because it's like I'm shutting down, you know, yeah. the electricity's gone, like all of those things. It, I, I like the fuse box. So, I, But I also like this, right? Like click by click, last call, last song. No, no, no. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the universe of the pacing of the poem is great. Mm-hmm. But the universe of the images of the poem seems a little scrambled. Like I can't get mm-hmm. how they quite rhyme or cohere. The only, yeah, the only thing I don't like is the stuffed bears. Yeah. You know, maybe you're, maybe it is simply that. I, I don't. I think it is more than that, to be honest. But I don't think it's just going from tequila to the bears or the party to the room. I think I, that, like, every movie you ever see that involves a family or whatever, like, there's a pan of the kids' room and there's bears on the shelf. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's just, that's what I meant about easy. 
it's, it's an right. easy thing to point but, to. But here's my question, though. Like, And I'm sitting here in my corner now hearing you say, like, it's not just the image of the bears. It's sure. the, the the whole poem is them as bears, right? Like that. Yeah. I, and I'm I'm sitting here in my corner, right? Like you and me like stuffed bears in our son's room propped up in corners. And I'm <laughs> sitting here in my corner. Me, I'm reading that as like she's personified them as bears. So that content, like the conversation is like you're talking to me like we're bears. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I don't go quite that far. I hear yeah. you, but I yeah. don't. I don't. I think I don't keep I think them the, in the, bear mode. The bears are talking to each other. No, I don't. I don't. But okay. I, I, th- I think. I think. I think we can get back to the rest of the poem. Like I think that, that there's there's an image that we don't like in the third line and the rest. Like right, yeah, that's what I was saying. I do I, like the poem except for the bears. I, listen, I don't think yes. it's just an image in the third line. I think it is the driving image of the whole poem. They are talking oh. to each other. <laughs> Like Toy Story. Like Toy Story, thank you. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you have that read. Okay. No, I love I love the last line. I wanted you to love me, but you were too busy laughing. What? Wow. Are you guys guys, like fire alarm? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh my god, I'm out of here. Sorry. Oh my god. We might have to leave. Yeah, we have to leave. Your motto. I told you once I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. John Wayne. I couldn't stay faithful after New Year's Eve. All those aggressive philosophy majors and tequila shot. All my switches flipped. A fuse box shutting down. Click by click. Time to wrap it up, kids. Last call. Last song. Adam sitting here in my corner now. Hearing you say, what did you want me to do? Punch the guy? No, no, no. I wanted you to love me so hard that he never asked me if I would go home with him. I wanted you to love me, but you were too busy laughing. Nicely done. So hello again, dear listeners. I hope those frightening sounds didn't scare you too badly. We have uh, we have reconvened. They were scary. It was scary. It was very uh, upsetting. Yep. I'm, I'm not coming back. I am not coming back in that room. Oh, stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to buy a weighted blanket. <laughs> we uh, we were kicked out of the studio and um, the real fire people actually came and it all took too long. Nothing tragic happened, but it all took too long for us to reconvene. So we're reconvening now. It's two weeks later, ladies and gentlemen, and um, <laughs> things have changed. Uh, Tim is not in the studio. Marion's in North Carolina. Sam's I have a totally in- different haircut. Jason, <laughs> Jason got rid of all of his hair for summer and Samantha's with us and dialing in from Portland. So it's, it's a, it's a different editorial board, but we're still going to jump into the conversation that we were having on the poem, your motto by Micheline Maylor. So, all right, folks, what are we thinking? So I'm going to jump in and say, before we were rudely interrupted uh, by potential catastrophe, uh, I think I was hung up on the teddy bears um, and then got got sort of strung out on this notion that the whole thing was two teddy bears talking to each other. But I'm so glad that the fire drill <laughs> gave me space, <laughs> gave me space to come back to this poem with fresh eyes and um, let that go. Right. So sure, it's teddy bears, but they're only there for a minute. Yeah, um, really. The you know the scene of the conversation is really back in that party. Right. I guess like I, I actually came into trying to uh, finish up this 
podcast with the attitude that we would really pretend that we were bringing that mm-hmm. conversation. You know, we wouldn't remind people of that conversation because they've just heard it, right? Our slushies mm-hmm. aren't all hearing yeah, us exactly. talk about what we said two minutes ago. But um, now that you said what you said, I think I have to um, be in agreement with you that the same thing happened to me. I never thought the teddy bears were talking to each other, Marion. That was not what I thought. But the <laughs> teddy bears did bug me. And I talked about that. That the just the fact that it was teddy bears was just too right. too cutesy, too whatever. And this time around, they're not bugging me as much. Um, so that's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. That's weird. Uh I love the John Wayne quote and I love the last lines and Britt maybe you could chime in sorry to pressure you I actually I don't have a problem with the stuff bears the only thing that <laughs> bothers me in this poem and pushes me away is a tequila shot that's the only thing that's just like no mm-hmm. it'll work for me yeah but I do remember talking about that as well so yeah. we don't have to reiterate that conversation tequila's yeah. shot is is like tequila's punch in the face yeah but, yeah, but you don't like it no. okay that's it. That's it. But you like it in yes. general. Okay. Yes. What is it that you like? What's moving you? But, or- you know, I, I feel okay. like a warm anger coming out of this poem. Mm-hmm. It's like you're talking about your child and you're talking about mm-hmm. teddy bears. But at the same time, there's so much anger in your husband not being there for you as he should be. Yeah. And I mean, a male is supposed to be like stereotypically the protector, right? Eh. And for him to not be able to do that is kind of like you're not even living up to your your natural roles. Uh-huh. Stereotypically speaking. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and I think really, it's not even just that she wants him to muscle up and chest bump with this guy, but she wants the guy to feel so much love from her husband that he wouldn't even ask her. He wouldn't even consider that should consider it. Mm-hmm. Right. Isn't that the implication? That yeah. The, yeah. That they're just not reading as close enough that this dude thinks he might be able to have a chance with her. Mm-hmm. This week, I'm actually paying a lot more attention to the quote at the top because she says, um, if I stop loving you, I'll let you know. Or he says that. And then I think this whole poem is her saying, I've stopped loving you. And this is my way of letting you know in more ways, more words Mm. than one. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't love me anymore, Mm. let me know. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Isn't that a song? That's a song, right? I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't know that song. I think I wrote it just now. I I just want to jump in and say that I love the way Britt said that. I like that Britt talked about it as warm anger. Right? Yeah, that's like, a great There's phrase. such a sense of frustration and disappointment, but I love that framework of, of warm anger. And dare I make the pun that we just had a fire drill? No, <laughs> don't make that pun. Can I please? No, please. Joe, Joe, edit that out. You can Thank make you. it. Well, you can but, make um, it. We can choose to. There will be consequences <laughs> after, after set the up pun. your alarm. There is an alarm, a pun alarm. <laughs> yeah, but I think the poem does a really nice job of showing the disconnect between the two people. It's not that he's a bad person, but that his only options are laughing it off or punching the guy. And she wants this other <laughs> possibility that that's not in his realm of experience or capability. And so to kind of like be in this space where it's like, I need this thing that you can't even imagine giving me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really beautifully constructed. I mean, I don't think the teddy bears are the best metaphor for it, but um no yeah but i I do like the relationship between these two people and kind of what happened with this insignificant person at the party who brings out um a disparity in their understandings of how love works i think is really beautiful yeah it's uh, language is just amazing like you just said that he was laughing it off and i took the too busy laughing i pictured the party and i thought he's not paying any attention to her and he's off laughing with his buddies and this is going down he doesn't even see you know but i mean either way it totally works right Mm -hmm. it's just fascinating Mm -hmm. like what we do you ever see the day trippers I don't recall that. No, there's a scene where Campbell Scott is hitting up Parker Posey has gone to a party and she's with Liv Shriver mm-hmm. and um, she Campbell Scott takes her day planner because it's an old movie 
and um, tells her that he gave her her his contact information under T. And then when she checks her planner later, he wrote time for a new boyfriend and his phone number. (laughs) 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 But it's very sexy, like the way that he does it. You're kind of like, oh, she immediately sleep with him. Tell me she immediately sleeps with him. No, I mean, she doesn't No, I mean, the the whole thing takes place over like uh, over like 12 hours. So we don't really get to. uh, Yeah, Yeah. I highly recommend the day trippers. All right. Um, well, we do have two more and we're forgetting that we have already spent time on this poem. So maybe (laughs) are we are we ready to uh, flip thumbs? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think so. Okay. Joe, can they turn their video on just while they flip thumbs? That would be fun. Can you do that, guys, real quick? Sure. Turn your cameras on so that I can take a picture of you. Wait, wait, wait. Can, can, <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. I was going to grab a teddy bear. Oh. <laughs> you're a little loopy for it. You're not, you're in our time zone. What are you doing? Oh, Bailey's in the coffee? I'm there? sorry. My, my connection's too weak to put the video uh, on. <laughs> okay. Are you texting Joe then, Sam? Yes, I am. Okay. So one, two, three, flip thumbs. And it looks like what's Sam say? Yeah, two yeses and nothing. Sam, Sam, oh, there she is. And it's unanimous. Woohoo! Also, my thumb, um, like in a David Lynch movie, bends back. Look at that. I don't know how you do that. That's amazing. <laughs> I have I have I have something called Hitchhiker's thumb and my thumb bends back to a right angle without my doing anything. Wow. Remember oh. how do you guys remember that? That's awesome. Look, mine, I don't know how to remember how did how did we used to do this thing? Like like ow, wait, no, wait. How's this work? Oh that's uh, <laughs> what's, what's that? How's that go? Like 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 Yes. Ow. Ow. Okay. No, our, our listeners cannot see that. <laughs> oh, that was an entirely <laughs> visual joke about the thing you do with your hands. Oh, I don't even know what's happening right off. now. That was a terrible Seriously. joke for radio. You know, it's only 1026 AM. And it feels yeah. like she's been on the whiskey. It feels like she's well, that's, been on, that's why we keep on the whiskey. That's why we keep the cameras off. Because then it happens when we can see each other. Yeah. If we can see each other, there's too much jocularity. All right. Who's reading next? We have... We have this one that uh, Jason, I did that. Was that a yes? That was you? That was a yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's supposed to be anonymous. You're not supposed to know, but yeah, that was. No, I no, 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 no. I meant a yes to read it. <laughs> what is wrong with everyone? What time zone are you guys in? Is it nighttime Jason's there? also in our time zone. <laughs> I, Sam what, is the what? only one who is not, and she's behaving. I'm <laughs> I, 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 I had asked who would like to read, and then I said, "Oh, Jason, is that a yes?" Oh, 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 oh! I thought I thought you were chastising me for. Uh, I'm sorry. I just that Nothing. was just where my I will never chastise you for anything. <laughs> well, if Tim's not here and I can't yell at him, then I think someone has to be yelled at. So it's me. Yeah. It's okay. You. Um, never thought, and and there's um. The N is in parentheses, so it's that kind of diacritical thing where you can read it as never thought or ever thought. Never thought. I've been having homewreck dreams of you. I've got an inside view from our big window. This is a metaphor, of course, not manufacture, yet we stay shrouded in a cloud of disaster. Dust in the loader bucket, the ideal view ruins itself. This dream is all I could pull out of the dark. A toothy, wild punk drunk at the controls. I get ornery when unprotected. I'm the wife at the party guarded by friends, husbands who have more vigilant shoulders. Some big bully wants me for his own. You have such lovely smiling dimples when you watch. Over there in the corner, you eye the trespasser. He drives right into your marriage. You watch. Whoa, nicely read. Nicely read. Thanks. Okay, so I'm going to jump right into this and say if you look at the third, no, second stanza, third line, mm-hmm. it says like a toothy, wild punk drunk at the controls. 
there's something about that that like sent me for a loop, which is to say my eye and my ear wanted it to be punch drunk, but it's not. It's a punk mm-hmm. drunk, right? So it's a yeah. punk is the noun who's who's drunk at the controls. And in that moment, I think this poet, Michelin, really earns my like my faith, so to speak. Like she's playing with language because it's almost like she anticipated that expectation and then subverted it. Oh, sure. Um, which is yeah. a total delight. A total, total delight. Yeah. Right. Which is such a minor, minor little move. But I'm I'm right right there with her. Loving, loving the play. You know what's so funny is that is exactly the line I was gonna jump to as well. And I I uh I was and I was gonna just say, I freaking love it. I love that line mm-hmm. because of, mm-hmm. of punk drunk and how that just sounds, a toothy wild punk drunk at the controls. I get mm-hmm. ornery when unprotected. The, mm-hmm. I love that too. That's just that declarative sentence with the word ornery, which is not a word we use enough for sure. And it's a great mm-hmm. freaking word. Mm-hmm. You know, I get mm-hmm. ornery when unprotected. Love it. Mm-hmm. I think it works well here, but I'm not going to try to bring it back into my own vocabulary. Oh, I, I actually, I'm being ornery. I do use the word ornery. Yeah, I, I do. I don't hear it enough, but I use it because it's uh, so old west to me. It's like mosey. <laughs> it's well, like, I, my, my ex's dad, right? They used to call him Orn, O R N, which is short for ornery. <laughs> hey, Orn. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I love, back back I love to this poem. Right. I want to I was gonna say yeah, something Samantha. else. Sorry. I was gonna say um something I really love about this poem, much like the other one, not to bring that one up again as well, but is that they're just they're they are so um there's so much setting and I feel so immersed um in a setting that is recognizable, but like controlled by like a different situation than like those I'm than those I'm exactly familiar with. And I think that's really exciting in, you know, relatively short poems to feel so immersed like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's very visual as well too, right? Aren't you, you're at the party hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I can, you know, it's funny because when it, when, when the poem starts and it's, I'm having home wreck dreams of you, I thought that it was about, having dreams of the home wrecker. Like I'm having fantasies uh-huh. about you wrecking my home. Uh-huh. But as you go through the poem, it really seems more that it's, it's a fantasy of the partner or husband or lover being, um, I hate to use this word, but cuckold it. That it's actually about like, uh-huh. you know, you, I, the trespasser, he drives into your marriage and you watch. It's really about um, this fantasy of, the existing partner having his home wrecked mm-hmm. with her there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's really nicely done. Very well crafted. Every little we stay shrouded in a cloud of disaster. What a line. Right. Is is that so can I ask about the, the friends husbands? Is that friends, comma husbands, like the party guarded by friends and husbands, or is it friends apostrophe husbands? Mm. Like they're they're the husbands who belong to her friends. I saw friends and husbands. Okay. Yeah. Beca- only because then there's more description of the husbands and that's what they get their own line with the more vigilant okay. shoulders. Can we ask for a comma together? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, can I say one thing that's really silly and one thing that mm-hmm. might be interesting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to get back on that word ornery. I'm wondering, Jason, I'm going to ask your permission specifically. Uh-huh. You know the word hangry? Oh, what if yes, we, that what portmanteau. If, what if we started the word hornery? <laughs> hornery? Like when you're ornery because you're horny? <laughs> Could we make that happen? you you have you have redeemed the word ornery for me i will ornery actually that you know is what? Horner, 
Cornery is brilliant. Cornery. You can that be is exactly what's happening in this poem. He's cornery. Yeah. He's cornery. Yeah. He you wants be- him to love her and he's not paying enough attention and she's pissed. Yeah. Cornery. Cornery. Yeah. You can, yeah. You can and, be- and kind of turns it into this like yeah. really interesting sexual fantasy. And you can be hangry cornery. and hornery at the same time. You can be hangry and hornery. Sure. If you haven't eaten or had sex. And you need both things. You need to be an animal for a minute. okay here's the other thing that i'm gonna say that's a little more like um you know more uh, (laughs) um when we were when so uh often i think our our slushies will know that very frequently the scenario is one of us finds them and then uh says to the other one, Hey, do you think this would be good for the podcast? And so this happened with me and Marion and I, and um, I wasn't even considering reading two poems about the same party. Right. I sent it to Marion and just went pick which one you think will be better for the show, for the episode, because I, I just a hundred percent. I don't know why I'm just being honest that my perspective was we can't talk about two poems about the same party in one episode. And Marion was like, no, 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 let's do it. Let's discuss all, th- you know, well, th- there's a third one, guys, that's not about this party. But uh, two poems on the same exact subject. Is that a wise move to submit them when, you know, most all lit mags say three poems max, right? Which is what we say. Mm-hmm. So this person set in a suite of three and two are about the same exact thing. Smart or taking a risk? What do you think? Discuss. Well, uh, it's both. Um, I mean, the risk is that you know that your poem is being read against your other poem. That the right. um, readers, I mean, and we and we've had this conversation about many sort of suites or sets of poems, where you know, do the two poems that we like repeat? and sort of detract from each other or do the two poems um, create a kind of friction and build and work together. And, um, and I mean, this, this usually doesn't come up for people until, you know, you get to a manuscript, right. That with a lot of people's books, like there's a particular move or a particular thing that they have mastered that they're really good at. Um, And so it gets each of the individual poems into journals. But then when you actually have the collection, you're like, oh, that again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, that's the 10th time I've seen that, Um, which is how you get 10 journal publications, but doesn't work for a manuscript. But in this one, I think that they work really nicely against each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel more invested as I kind of get to the second party poem, not less. And also, I think that it, it gives me this sense of how um because they're not the same poem they're the same party absolutely they're not the same poem absolutely and i think that they i i'm really fascinated by how fascinated the speaker is like the speaker is taking forever to unpack what happened at this party uh-huh right that there's there's this way in which like the obsessive going over of it and finding the way to understand it and the way to make it visible and the way to kind of express the disconnect. Um, it, it, it pulls me in. I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you, you said that we don't get to yell at Tim today. What, what I always yell at Tim about is reading one poem against the oh. other. And very <laughs> often, you know, they're on there, you know, they, they feel similar in this way or that way, but I just was struck by how, dead on spot on that this was the exact moment being experienced twice in two very different ways, you know? Yeah. Do you, I mean, what, what do you think about the difference between the two poems? I mean, how do they kind of like open up differently for you? I mean, we, we know that there's, there's the same frustration with the partner for not sort of cock blocking this guy who's already kind of cock blocked. Um, it's funny that you use that word. This one is more the physicality of the moment is more apparent for sure. And what I learn about the party, you know, I learned something a different way. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. what's funny, Jason, is I'm still going to stick. I'm still digging my heels in my way to read, which is not against each other. You know what I mean? Okay. This is another poem about uh, a husband not being there when this woman is being and this one the man who's trying to be with her sounds like more of a brute than the first one 
somehow, right? Like, yeah. So I think maybe that's where I get the physicality too. The vigilant shoulders, a big bully once before his own. Uh, I'm seeing it as a more aggressive moment than the first play. But there's also a kind of um, erotic sadism that's in this poem. Um, over there in the corner, you eye the trespasser. He dives right into your marriage and you watch. Like there's a there's a, yeah. a kind of sadistic revenge porn fantasy in there that I think is really um, so different than the first poem. And I'm doing it again. But um, like I think that that speaking the position in this poem where the party becomes the failure becomes eroticized into this revenge fantasy that's erotic, I think is really compelling. And it's, it's surprising to me. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to say at the end of the first poem, and I, you know, again, noted, not comparing the poems, but since they're in the same package, at the end of the first poem, he's laughing. You're too busy laughing. At the end of the second poem, right, as Jason points out, there's it's this like, you know, he's a voyeur. He's watching this thing happen and not intervening, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what I think what happens to me is the two poems together help to surface or name a particular kind of, of emotion um, that's like very real, very palpable. And, you know, we were joking, calling it, you know, Kathy's new portmanteau of hornery, but that's exactly right. You know, the two poems together help me to live in this, um, this emotion that the poem, both poems name in a particular way from, from a slightly different angle. So in that way, it's almost like, you know, 13 ways of looking at Rashomon, right? Like there's, there are yeah. different ways, uh -huh. different perspectives in that room of, of on this emotion. And I, I kind of dig it. Yeah. I really dig it. Well, I, I, I think it's surprising to me because I mean, I'm, I'm thinking particularly about like Eve Sedgwick's theorization of the homosocial triangle and cuckold porn right. and how you kind of right. usually these structures in which you have men, the, 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 the dominant way of thinking of, about these structures in which two men are competing over a woman is that it's really about the relationship between the men, right? That it's really like right. the men are using the woman as a kind of token between themselves in terms of their like work towards dominance or mastery or connection or whatever. Right. And so for her perspective to be the dominant one and to kind of have constructed <clears throat> this fantasy herself, um, I, I think mm -hmm. that is really a refreshing perspective to me. But I'm like, oh. Agreed. I would like to pay more attention. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, well, slushies and editors, I think we might be able to flip. Oh, Sam, did you fall back asleep? No, no, I'm just listening. Sorry. It's so <laughs> Do you have anything to say, my friend, before we flip thumbs? No, no, I feel like I'm I'm content with the setting and, and I'm liking it. So Okay. I'm good. All right. Mm -hmm. Then let flip thumbs we shall. Ready and one, two, three, shoot. <laughs> Marion Mar is, is zooming her thumb in and away from the camera. So it's actually a very exciting <laughs> visual there, effect there, okay, as her thumb sure. throbs but, but, uh, enlarging and shrinking in our screen. We're, we're, we're extending the, the, the weight <laughs> slushies. I doubt there was much dramatic tension, but we'll tell you anyway. Yes, it's a yes. Woohoo! <laughs> um, so. Uh, Marion or Samantha, who wants to do yeah. this third one? I think you go for it, Marion, because my connection. <laughs> She's going to blame okay. her connection. Right. She's blaming the rain in Portland. Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well. All right. Um, so uh, this is Micheline's third poem, Micheline Mailer's She Tells Me. She Tells Me. The toilet in the basement has belched up and over its intestinal wreckage, drained, stained the floor like a party goer, dunked up and shaken sober. In my new office, I've become the scapegoat for my grandmother's guilt. I've become a beacon of success, 
I hardly pick up the phone anymore. She tells of irrelevant relatives, things I walked away from. I tell her, you taught the art of dehydration. I was so parched. Didn't I tell you? I was a fern in the desert, a plate spinner with thin skin and shoeless. Didn't I warn you from the start? Ooh, thank you very much. Uh, slushies, while we do some thinking, allow me to remind you that you can look at all of these poems uh, before you listen, while you listen, after you listen. But if you want to see them on the virtual page on screen, they will be on our website at pbqmag.org and then just click on podcast. And sometimes if you're quick enough on the draw, you'll see it. This one will be the highlighted episode. But uh, I think I'm remembering to tell you that right now because the title is She Tells Me, comma. Not She Tells Me, comma, but She Tells Me and then there's a comma. And I just thought that was interesting and you should know. What does the phrase dunked up mean? I've never seen that before. Like you grabbed them by their head, dunked them in the toilet and pulled them up maybe? Yeah. Dunked up and shaken sober. I think Brett got it yeah. yeah not that i have any personal experience that I know that. <laughs> i love a plate spinner with thin skin i love that there's kind of like a circus quality to that uh-huh i was a fern in the desert which is inexplicable right you can't have a fern in the desert a plane a plate spinner with thin skin and shoeless I love that ending. I'm having, I mean, I keep trying to work out the relationship between the she and the I. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm, I, I mean, is she, does she represent the, the family that she left behind? Does she represent the. Um, I, I think it's the grandmother's the guilt. Is it the grandmother? I thought they were, she and I were sort of in some kind of relationship or friendship or colleagueship. And she was trying to relate to the I's family situation. I thought they had different relatives. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I hear you. So the she tells me is is already introducing the she says the toilet in the basement has backed up, right? Has belched up. Yeah. Right. She says you. she tells of irrelevant relatives, things I walked away from. Is that just relatives in general or specifically those mm-hmm. relatives? Oh. I mean, I love, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad about being disoriented. Right. Um, I mean, I love all of the individual pieces. Right. I mean, could we ever explicate you taught the art of dehydration? I was so parched. Yes. Could, right? could I we? think that is like on the nose about like feeling unloved, right? Like craving warmth, craving connection and not being, um, hugged or not being held, but being denied, right? That sense of withholding is a kind of dehydration, right? So that's, I mean, my, it's sort of, that's my reading of it. And it's almost an immediate reading, right? Um, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, So the you is the she, right? You taught the art of dehydration. I was so parched. So you taught me how to live in a part and be dehydrated, just live with my dehydration. Because, I mean, that's the fern in the desert, too, right? The fern would not be able to subsist in the desert. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I'm starting to read this differently. And I feel like she tells me, and then there's the first two stanzas and almost like a pause. And then she tells me more. And that's when she goes into the mm-hmm. relatives. And so it's sort of like two she tells me sets of things i actually thought that um the first two stanzas is about the other person telling her things but um the third stanza she says she tells me this and that 
And then I start talking and I tell her this and the rest is about the um, author talking about what she told her afterwards. Mm -hmm. But then what she says wouldn't make a lot of sense. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what I do think this, that this sort of the disorientation is that it brings you into a kind of code where the things that they're saying to each other make a kind of sense mm -hmm. based on a really long shared history that's very difficult for us to access as a reader. And I think that that might be um, the way that the poem is working. I mean, because like, didn't I warn you from the start? Well, we don't know. I mean, right, that, that gestures towards this really long history that these people have um, that in the length of this poem, we're only kind of like limbing the surface of or we're seeing like the very small tip of an iceberg. Yeah. Yeah, and I also, in some ways, not in, not in like a mean girl's way at all, but want to have some allegiance or align myself with, with one of these speakers. And so I think some of my discomfort, like a happy discomfort comes from not like having even footing and like my weight keeps like going back and forth while I'm reading this. Mm. And I, I uh, another thing I think we should point out, I've become a beacon of success. I hardly pick up the phone anymore. I, I love that that makes me smile lately, like that that would make you, you know, a successful person doesn't isn't bothered by the ringing phone and answering to people. Right. That's what that literally means. I don't answer to others. Right. And but then that feels like this is the facade and who she really is, is a fern in the desert, a plate spinner with thin skin and shoeless. You know, I love that yeah. that's where we mm -hmm. uh, we funnel down to. It's funny, the way that I originally saw that, um, my grandma calls me like a hundred times a day, literally. Yeah. So <laughs> eventually I just like stop picking up the phone because I know she's going to say the same thing and it's not like an emergency or anything. Right. But now that you say that, that makes way more sense. So that was like personalizing <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I pick up the phone for my grandma. Don't hate me. Like, <laughs> but not a hundred times a day. Times. Just yeah. 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one time she was on the phone with her grandma and she had it on speaker. And I was coming in the door and it sounded like Brittany was talking to herself. <laughs> Do that, so understandable. <laughs> like really, really talking to herself. <laughs> I what I'm wondering though with this poem, like, is it intentional the confusion about the she and the I? It, I mean, confusion in the sense of like, are they the same person, or the confusion well, in terms of we don't know who they are. Yeah, I mean, like, kind of all our heads going around, like, in in terms of, like, the poet's intentions. Like, do you think she wants us to feel that confusion? I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's necessarily a confusion, I think, but I think it's, like, a disorientation. Okay. Yeah, I agree with Jason. I don't think she's intentionally being confusing. I think it is simply the office worker. I'm not as confused by the relationship as I am... <laughs> The scapegoat for my grandmother's guilt. Um, I, I think that the, my read is that she's posing at the office, but she really feels like she tells us in the last stanza. All right. Yeah. And this coworker just tells her annoying mundane things <laughs> about, you know, toilets and irrelevant relatives. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And the, yeah. she's in her head. <laughs> You know, that kind of person. Definitely. Oh, when she says things I walked away from, could those things be referring to her own irrelevant relatives? I think so. Okay. That the person is nattering on about mm -hmm. her relatives and stuff and this and our speaker has walked away from her relatives. It's so weird that she would describe oh, it as things so. though. Yeah. Yeah. There must be a lot of pain there. Mm-hmm. Or just like things. It could be relatives and things. Yeah, I'm right. From, right. right. Uh, let's see. Who hasn't spoken enough about this? 
Marion, putting on my teacher hat. Who haven't we heard from today? Yeah. We did so hear from I, you, I but not as much. The conversation about the difference between disorientation and confusion, right? Um, if the reader's only confused, right, that feels like the poem's a little out of control. But it feels like purposeful disorientation here. Um, but I'm not quite sure I understand. And that's funny, right? The how the disorientation serves the mood of the poem or the the idea or the energy, right? Um, and and it can be and you know it's fascinating hearing the twenty different ways it can be read, right? That it's the she is the grandmother or the she is some other speaker, right? This or the she and the I are the same person, different aspects of the, the subjectivity, yeah. right? And so all, it sort of slides for me in an interesting way, and I'm, but I'm not 100% on it yet, right? Like, yeah. it, and, I, and, and then, of course, my, my editorial brain is like, what's the rereading like? What's the rereading like? When I come back to it, if I read it again, is it richer, deeper, funkier? Yeah. Are there more nuances that 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 emerged for me and I, and I'm I'm a little I'm just a little ambivalent about it you know I can say this uh this conversation makes me have no disorientation or confusing I'm like firmly in my reading mm-hmm. now you know and and secondly I think it's so interesting what you just said Mary you know when we're uh training new people to read with us we say do you do you want to read it again so I'll ask you that you're right, saying what will right. this be like like you did read it once three weeks ago right and now and mm-hmm. we never got to discuss it on air right and uh do you want to read it again if you Are were you asking me personally, yes, yeah. do I want to reread it again? Yep, I'm asking you the very simple question. Well, if I, you I'm, happened I'm upon down this, with this whole... like out loud or like as, as a reader, no, just do you as a reader. That you know okay. that I mean, again, I'm 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 taking this all the way to the most basic thing of when I'm teaching well, students. Right, so you I'm going to say, do you want to read I'll it come, again? Come right back to you and say no. Oh, right. And, and, I, but the no is not because I'm not interested in it. The no is because it's already left such a strong impression on me. It's almost like, you know, sipping a really fine glass of wine that I have this aftertaste in my mouth. That's enough, right? Like it's baffling uh-huh. and curious. And as somebody who reads a ton of literature, contemporary lit mags, right? Sometimes that's enough for me that the sure. poem stops me, puts itself in me enough that the, the nuances are complex that it's, it's just with me and I don't necessarily need to go back and reread it. For me, that can be satisfying, right? Yeah. Um, but that, so there's that, right? So if I say no, it's not because I'm not thoroughly in love with the poem. It's just because it's actually enough You're to set. be sure. in this space. Well, right? that's the other thing we say to people. Do you read the, are you satisfied? Do you have, when you're done reading it, you go, oh, mm-hmm. right? And have mm-hmm. that little moment of, Oh, so, okay. I often say, do you or, feel you like know, you were though, punched it, in the stomach? It, it can also be a moment <laughs> It's of, very different than it. Listen, I'm sorry. I, I, I want to interrupt that though, that to say like the, the, like the, the, it doesn't have to be an epiphany and it doesn't have to be total satisfaction to be powerful. Right? Sure. Like it can be like, what? Right. Like that, like a discomfort can sometimes be the seat of the yes too. Right. right. Like, I don't know. I don't no, know. I just I love all these metaphors there. because okay. I often, I often say, do you feel like you were punched in the stomach in a good way? Right. At the end of a poem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now we have a glass <laughs> yeah, of wine, exactly. a punch in the stomach. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere in between those. <laughs> <laughs> It's just perfect. a good way to be punched in the stomach. Oh, I think mm-hmm. there might be. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, metaphorically, <laughs> metaphorically. Like when I'm doing that exaltation of breath that like, oh, you know, you've read stuff and made that sound, even if you didn't make it aloud. You know what I'm saying? That's, I mean, mm-hmm. metaphorically going. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, but when you're being punched in the stomach, you're going, oh, oh. Mm. Well, I said, I said metaphorically. Okay. I would like to actually drink the wine, and but not actually <laughs> punch the stomach. Mary, I was immediately. Oh, wait a I was, oh. Oh. 
Your whole yeah. wine thing yeah, had me yeah. back. Your wine thing had me in Portland <laughs> at that bar with that wine guy. Yeah. <laughs> because you, every single thing we sipped, you said, I love what's in my mouth after. <laughs> That's what she said. She Thank really you. did. She'd go, I, like I love what this does to my mouth when I'm done drinking it. That was her thing with every thing. <laughs> Oh, taste your mouth. Taste your mouth. That's I'm being married. Right. Can you see her do this? Wait, but I have to tell you what's going, what's going on. What's going on for me, you know, is this idea of having a mouthful of wine and somebody punching you and then spitting your wine everywhere, right? Like that, that's the, no, that the spit take is the, the no, no. icon. A spit take is a whole different thing. <laughs> you, you do the taste your mouth, taste your mouth. So you can read this poem. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> what will we call this episode? My God. What's in your mouth? <laughs> What's in your mouth? What's in your mouth after? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, are we ready to vote, peeps? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's do a turn your cameras on. Okay. Hey, hold on. About to see you. We're about to see you. Here's Jason. And here's Marion. Uh, okay. One, two, three. Flip thumbs. <laughs> and it's in. Woohoo. Wait, stay there, stay there, stay there. <laughs> All right. Yay! Micheline Mayer, three for three. Woohoo. Well done. What? Dead air? What just happened? <laughs> That's not us at the end. Thank you so much to Micheline Mailer for allowing us to uh, Yay, read this Micheline. work. And, and uh, three for three she is always, always poems. awesome. Anybody have anything they want to share about what they're doing, reading, seeing, watching, drinking? Um. I can't turn off Stranger Things. Oh, I haven't turned it on for exactly oh, that I'm reason. Here. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Are you waiting till you're with John again, Mayor, to watch? Are you saving it? Uh huh. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna binge that together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've That's never exactly seen right it, but I, I want to. Wow. Oh, how fun! It's gonna you're gonna love it. I, I think that's one of the few things when I when I uh, pull my students at the beginning of a course and try to find some cultural commonality. Uh, Stranger Things has been winning. You know, Stranger Things wins oh. over Game of Thrones. There's still not anything that really? everybody has watched, though. So it's a it used to be Titanic. <laughs> well, it used to be easier to find it common things. Now, you know, we're just consuming too many. On too many well, every, everyone watched the same movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not so much. It used to everyone even watched the same movies. Nope, yeah. not so much. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> so, anything? Anybody else? Or should we wrap her up? I will say I went to see Book Smart. <gasps> I don't know if any of you have seen that, but I really <laughs> liked it. Yeah, I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Did you see it yet, Brett? No, I have not. Oh, the whole time I was watching it, I couldn't wait to watch it again. It was one of those feelings because I was laughing so hard it was missing the next joke. Mm -hmm. Right, Sam? Yeah, it was it was great. I was so into it. I love like how I put like the high school movies like of my generation of high school to shame. Like yeah. I would walk <laughs> out of those movies feeling like I am not thin enough i am not cool enough and right. then i watched this movie and i was like yes yeah <laughs> yeah what was it what was the big uh, michael sierra movie uh super bad super bad this yeah. you know super bad was so wonderful and so much better than i went in thinking it would be right <laughs> and and then this blows super bad out of the water it for yeah. just for just smartness brilliance characters all of it it's yep. it's very good. It's the fe it's female super bad, mm -hmm. and it is all you know is uh, written by Olivia Wilde and uh, all, it's very female centric actually. The film. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, recommend it for everyone. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> okay, all right then. Well, when you're done watching movies, remember to keep reading and uh, let us know how we're doing. And thank you very much. Woohoo!
Okay, I'm gonna go because I have to go to class. I'll see you guys. See ya. Bye. Great time. Bye. Great time. Thanks, Bye, Tom. Samantha. Bye. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank That's you. Awesome. Oh my god. All right, love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye, Jason. Bye. actually